0: all right well good morning everybody good morning. welcome to family teams morning at marymont church and um, we're going to uh, spend our time this morning together we're gonna read some scripture and um, your you know your efforts our efforts to build our families that's an opposed work and um, we're gonna read some text this morning that paint a nice picture a beautiful picture about how the gospel flows through three generations of a family and then we see like through faith their influence expands uh, with the authority and wisdom that comes from obedience good teaching and you know guarding the truth guarding the truth of the gospel all of this done in the power of the spirit so in front of you you've got some note uh, sets so we're going to start by reading the two texts Uh, For those of you who uh, haven't been here, we're doing a series through 1st, 2nd Timothy, and Titus uh, called But God. So these are the texts that we're going to look at this morning one from 2nd Timothy, one from Titus. So let's just read it together. I thank God, whom I serve, as my ancestors did, with a clear conscience, as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers, recalling your tears. I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord or of me, his prisoner, rather join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, But it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel, I was appointed a herald and an apostle and a teacher. That's why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed, and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. What you heard from me, keep as the pattern of sound teaching with faith and love in Christ Jesus. Guard the good deposit that was entrusted to you. Guard it with the help of the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And that's all been passed down to us. People have been faithful for 20 centuries to pass this down to us in whatever way you receive the gospel. That that command by Paul here to Timothy has been faithfully obeyed and uh, we are being asked now to obey that faithfully as we think about our generations. So let's uh, read the passage from Titus. Uh, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. These, then, are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. And as very much as parents and grandparents, we are now... uh, Called to purify for Jesus a people who are his very his very own. So we're passing that on generationally. That's that's our mission in a broad sense. And then today, uh, our plan is to share a little bit about our family's journey, uh, not as a model uh, but as an example, a concrete example that might be helpful. Uh, we're going to cover. Uh, uh, some of our story, and then we're going to uh, give you guys a chance to develop uh, your vision today. Spend some time on that while we're here. So our goal is uh, to encourage you to fan into flame the gifts that Christ has given you, uh, and uh, the good deposit that we have in Jesus, and to strengthen, help strengthen each family here today, uh, and the expansion. Just helping the expansion of each family's influence in the years ahead. That's our goal. So the outline is, we're gonna start with an introduction uh, that looks at two family narratives. Uh, then we're gonna give you a bit of our story. Then we've got some family hacks from across different life stages and uh, we've got kids represented here of all, of all ages uh, up to I think probably the uh, The oldest is Bailey, 16, 15. And we've got some other grandparents here. So uh, we're going to try to cover the waterfront and that hopefully will give you a bit of a idea for those of you who have younger children of kind of what what lies ahead. And then we're going to look at uh, being a kingdom family and uh, be part of a church and how that works and how that's blessed us. And then uh, we're going to uh, share a little bit about a, a, a thing that we do with our family that may be a little bit into the future for you but something that I think is uh, really fun and we just want to share a little bit on that family summits then we're going to conclude with like the six major lessons we've learned and uh, some of the tensions we've had to navigate and I think those tensions are still alive and well uh, for, for all of us uh, and then uh, we'll do some Q&A and then we'll break into uh, giving you time to work on your family vision so um with that i'm going to have uh Mary Ann pray
1: so lord we just thank you for each of the families represented here today i thank you for what you want to do in each family i ask that you would give us wisdom and discernment as we move through the day that you would be clear Uh, about what you want each family to do and that we would walk out of here today with a clear understanding of what our next steps are. I thank you in advance for all you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. Amen. All right, on page six, uh, you have a narrative of a teenager in Jesus' day. By the way, who has been involved with Storyform Life? Okay, so you'll remember this from Storyform Life. Um, And this is... uh, the narrative of a teenager in Jesus' day, compared to a narrative of a teenager today. So um, yeah, let's uh, let's just uh, uh, read that uh, briefly, uh, quickly here. So uh, Yitzhak lives in the village of Tekoa. He has three siblings, two older brothers, and a younger sister. His family owns 23 acres of olive trees, 35 acres of wheat, as well as 84 sheep, 14 goats, And the family home in the village as well as a variety of sheds and barns on their land. They employ three full-time servants, two who assist with the household, one who is an assistant foreman for projects. They employ anywhere between 2 and 20 seasonal employees depending on harvest time and other peak seasons. In his family home lives all of his siblings including his older brother's wife and their two children, his great aunt and his grandfather who is a widower and a village elder representing their family and serving their community.
1: Describe your family. We are descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob from the tribe of Judah, the lion of Jahab, who led our family in the war against the Greeks 200 years ago. Before the Romans took over, our family owned 200 acres of olive trees, but we have slowly begun to sell our land to pay the heavy taxes put on us by the Romans. My father has asked me to learn a new trade for our family in case we lose the rest of our land.
0: So who are your heroes? My b- biggest hero is Jahab. We still have his sword and shield hanging in our home, and grandfather tells us stories about him and other ancestors of our clan every Shabbat.
1: What do we want to do when you get older? I'm hoping to learn the skill of blacksmithing and to sell my wares and services to help my family keep our land and eventually buy more of it back from a Roman centurion.
0: What's your family hoping to accomplish this year? We're hoping to save enough from the harvest and and from all the lambs that were born this year to buy back one of our acres and to add on a room to the house for when my second oldest brother gets married.
1: What would you like to accomplish this year? I'm learning ancient Hebrew from a rabbi and hope to honor my family by being able to read the Torah well at my bar mitzvah. My parents will also have paid for me to learn some valuable skills from Joseph the blacksmith and I hope to bring in twice as much this year as last year by repairing equipment for families in our village.
0: And what's your biggest hope? That the Messiah would return and bring justice for my family, for all the suffering we endured under the Romans, also that our home and land would be established forever and our descendants will live in peace in the land.
1: What is your biggest fear? That we would be forced to pay even higher taxes and sell the rest of our land and that our family would have to hire ourselves out to other families and then our name would disappear from families of Israel.
0: Okay, so that's narrative number one, a Hebraic narrative. Now this is a narrative of a teenager today Um, So this is Brad. Uh, Brad lives in a middle-class Christian home in the suburbs of Atlanta. He's 12 years old and has an eight-year-old sister. His dad works as a regional sales rep for P&G and his mom works part-time teaching preschool. He goes to Roswell Middle School and his grandparents on his dad's side live in Richmond, Virginia. And his grandma moved into an apartment near their home where her mom can help care for her.
1: Describe your family. Well, my parents are nice but a little strict. My sister's totally annoying. My mom helps me with homework, and my dad helps coach my little league team in the spring.
0: Who are your heroes? Uh, I haven't really thought about that before. I guess a few of the baseball players on the Braves are pretty cool.
1: What do you want to do when you get older? Hmm, I'm not sure. I'll probably go to college and have to decide then, but I think I want to be a professional baseball player.
0: What is your family hoping to accomplish this year? Well, I think we want to go on another vacation to Florida this summer and maybe get a new car.
1: What would you like to accomplish this year? to be a pitcher on my baseball team this spring and make more friends at school. I really hope I get a week for Christmas.
0: What is uh, your biggest hope? That the Braves uh, make it to the World Series and this cute girl at school will notice me.
1: What is your biggest fear? That I won't have any friends at school and be treated like a nerd by the popular kids.
0: Alright, so a little bit, a little bit uh, uh, of a caricature, but I um, What do you notice in those two two narratives? First teenager has a long-term vision. All right, teenager's got a long-term vision. Uh, Anything else? His family interests
1: are his own. His family interests are his own. Uh
0: Uh-huh, that's good. Anything else? Uh, the second teenager is more uh, inward focused, or all inward focused. Where the where the first for kids act is uh, really it's all about the family and the extended family. Uh huh. Anything else? First teenager values working hard. All right. First teenager values working hard. Okay, so confident versus less confident or maybe even commu- confused. Yep. Our first teenager. hmm That's good. So a much better sense of where he's coming from and what what is all about uh, their family history. Okay. Responsibility um, for the first one versus the second one is really different. Okay, responsibility. Yep, that's really good. So, uh, you know, and again, I, sa- I said as a bit of a caricature, but these two stories Kind of illustrate the 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 difference between a Hebraic family and a and a Hellenistic family. Uh, in the sense of what's important, what's uh, what the focus is, uh, and at least for us, we spent a lot of our uh, journey as a family in a kind of a Hellenistic mindset, where the focus was you know grades sports get in a good college get a good job you know be able to uh, do well financially uh, be able to uh, see our kids launch well and uh, be well equipped for you know uh, life in the modern world hopefully you know have a nice home nice family more kids and we weren't really thinking kind of big picture we weren't really thinking that uh, our family was part of a lineage that uh, especially is given radical new meaning when you think about the gospel, when you think about the good news of Jesus. Notice that in the text we read that uh, these things that we have uh, have been uh, given to us from before creation. That's a long time ago and, and the, the, the way that God thinks about these generations and the way we think. So we, we just, uh, and you'll remember this from Storyform Life, those of you who did it, it, it was a pretty jarring experience for us. And it really helped us, and then in addition to our sabbatical, to really start thinking about what, what is our lineage? What are, we, what are we trying to do? So we'll jump in now to our story with that as kind of a backdrop. But that, that I hope will kind of inspire us to be thinking multi-generationally and to be thinking longer term uh, as we uh, build our families. So Marianne.
1: So just a thumbnail sketch. Um, I met Dennis at PG when I was interviewing in January of 80. We got engaged at Christmas of 80 and we got married in 81. Look at
0: that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the hair. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Dennis was born in 85, and Dennis Jr. There would never be any confusion. And Michael was born in 87. We moved to Sydney in 88, and Patrick was born in 89. And I had been saved when I was 17, but um, I didn't really understand lordship until I got to Australia and Kobe. We moved to Kobe, Japan in 92, when I was three months pregnant. Mary was born in 93. Then we moved to Hong Kong in 95, no more babies. And we were there a short time. And then, um, in March of '96, Dennis was saved uh, in China, and um, we moved from Hong Kong to Cincinnati in August of '96. '96.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, we were led to go to Hope Church, which had a really good family feel to it. Um, both Dennis's parents passed away early, and he really wanted a mentor, and uh, he came to have uh, Jerry and Patty Kirk. Jerry was a patriarch of his family. He was an interim pastor at Hope at the time, and they taught us just a ton about family and mission. In fact, Jer- Jerry, um, I remember one day sitting there for dinner, and Jerry said, you know, you really should have people living with you, people who need help. Now, when we were in Toronto, it was shaped a uh, hotel both but it was always family. So we started having people live with us. And we've had students, from one from Mexico and one from Korea. We've had families. Couple times um, for a few months. We'd even had somebody live with us for five years. The low point was when I found my new spoon. It had been free based in the basement, so that was not one of our better tenants. (laughs) But uh, we learned a lot, and every time we would bring somebody in, we would sit down and talk with the kids about it, and I think they felt buy in. So it was good. And in fact, um, just recently, Dennis and Robin up in Chicago have had um, six people from the Ukraine live with them momentarily till they could find a place. So it's, it's continuing on.
0: Yeah, and I'd just add, it's hard to overstate the effect of the gospel on our family uh, because uh, during our time in Asia, uh, I was uh, trapped in a sexual addiction. I was unfaithful to Mary Ann. My career was certainly first, I was an absentee dad, uh, and it was just this very Greek way of living, like of, yeah, they'll, they'll be fine, they have a good school, they'll do good, they'll pull up, pull up by their socks, uh, but the, 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 the encounter with Jesus just changed everything, and I would be dead right now if it wasn't for Jesus, because I was on a trajectory uh, of excessive eating and drinking and... I weighed about sixty pounds more than I weigh now, and I, I would, I would, I would be dead if I wasn't shot by somebody. So, I, I just think the the effect of the gospel on me and the effect of gospel on Mary Ann in forgiving me and starting over again uh, was massive. And uh, our kids were 11, 9, nine, seven, and three when we came into the when I came into the kingdom, and. Uh, uh, Mary Ann was a few years ahead of me uh, as she uh, learned that, but the, uh, the Kirks taught us that uh, in Christ we're all destined to be Abrahams and Sarahs. We're all destined to have uh, these generations uh, following us and being being the patriarchs and matriarchs of our generations. and. Uh, as we'll talk about, we, we plan, you know, uh, we plan to get out of the way at a certain age and let each of our children, you know, experience that that gathering uh, and that that blessing of generations, just like we are right now. And I guess the only other thing I would say is if if you look at this picture uh, and then you go fast forward 20 years to this picture. I just want to say, uh, time flies, time flies, and uh, you, you, you need to be intentional, Inten- intentionality is crucial, that's 20 years, isn't that crazy? So, I know, it's crazy, but intentionality is crucial. So, uh, let's, let's look at uh, some family building hacks over these different generations. And again, there's a lot of notes here. We're not going to cover all this. Our goal is simply to kind of paint a broad strokes picture to give you some things to think about. Uh, in the preschool and elementary years, remember, I wasn't a believer during this time, so... Most of what was good that was happening uh, was Mary Ann until uh, we moved to Cincinnati. Um, So we did make a family mission trip to the Philippines from Hong Kong when I was a new believer. That was life changing. Our kids left their backpacks, their shoes. They came home on the plane with nothing bare feet. They were so impacted uh, by meeting You know, 70 orphan kids living in this uh, living in this orphanage.
1: We had also been in Bali, and I bought all these little um, bracelets, and then the kids sold them for a dollar each. So they collected money, and when they went down, they took all the kids to a shoe store, and all the kids got brand new shoes. Wow, it never happened before. So that was
0: yeah. So we had little things like uh, morning prayer, and people. You know, this at this was in Cincinnati. Uh, the older ones did not like morning prayer. So basically, the way we bribed them was, okay, you, they each had a bedroom, you go, we're going to do it in Dennis's room this morning, so the three have to get out of bed, but Dennis doesn't. He gets to stay in bed, and then the next morning, the next morning, and then there's an argument every day, no, it's my turn, <laughs> but uh, but we did pray every morning, and we prayed for all kinds of things, and I think that was helpful. Um, and. Uh, I think we were just getting we were just getting our feet wet with how do we build a kingdom family uh, this was just very early days uh, one things we did that was fun was character meetings Marianne can tell you about that
1: you had to pick a, a fruit of the spirit for each kid a free person we, we did it too the first meeting you talked about something good, and then you talked about something that wasn't good on this the spirit. Mariel was a boss. She ripped through those boys, and then it was Mariel's turn. It was bloody. She cried cried cried. It's like, okay, so we need to do this a little differently next time. You need to be more kind. So it was, it was miserable. But you know, it, it, it just taught us a lot, and. It, it helps with dysfunctionality in the family when we're, when we're looking at what we want to do. And some of them stayed on Fruit of the Spirit for a long time before they were able to move on. And it, but it was, it was just really good for them to see us talking about our sin and what we were doing and modeling it for them.
0: Yeah, so think of it as, you know, where did Michael demonstrate one Fruit of the Spirit in a good way last week? So somebody would pick up, uh, well, Michael did this for me. And so that was kind, kindness. And then where's one fruit of the spirit where Michael didn't do a good job last week? And then you say, well, you know, he pushed me down the stairs uh, or whatever. So what it did is it highlighted the good and the bad and the ugly. But it was every week. So, you know, there was no there was no hiding, you know, from bad stuff. It really it really brought a lot of um, vulnerability and um, I'd say direct confrontation in the family Um, and so this was part of our Sunday night routine uh, where we would try to just do just have nothing that was kind of our first go at something like a Sabbath where like if there was youth group Sunday night sometimes there was we wouldn't go we would get in our pajamas hang out Sunday night uh, eat breakfast for dinner uh, have our character meeting, read some scripture, and then we'd watch a show together before bedtime. So that was our first go at, um, uh, at uh, Sabbath.
1: Because the TV went off Sunday night and we'd go back on to Friday. What? The TV went off Sunday night oh. and didn't go back on until Friday. Oh. The kids would say, but I don't know what they're talking about at school. Wait for a holiday you can find out. <laughs> it,
0: was yeah.
1: not, it was not popular. But yeah, it
0: was, good. it was it was great until the school had a no TV week.
1: <laughs> uh, they, they, home, for Lent, said,
0: you know, they said let's have no TV this week. And Marion
1: came home. She said, "I can't believe it. We're getting a badge for no TV for this week. I do that every week.
0: <laughs> yeah. a little drama. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And you know, you guys have more to more to deal with because of the, the technology. We didn't have the iPhone to deal with. Uh, or the iPad or whatever. So that's that's something we we have not addressed uh, at your kids' life stage. So, um, and the other thing I'd say is discipline was um, we, we we would spank our kids and, at age appropriate. But uh, Michael and Sammy came up with this paint stick uh, discipline program, and it's it's working gangbusters. So. If, if you ever want to learn more about the biblical rod, and some of your kids may be too old, but talk to Michael and Sammy because their, their paint stick strategy has really, really worked well. All right.
1: Okay, teenage years. There's lots of input from friends and people at church. And I always remember, there's numerous times when I would be talking to one of my friends. She had older boys. And I would say, you know, well, this is what happened. And she would go, oh, my boys never did that. That happened about three times. Nancy, that happened about three times and I thought, okay, this is not good. Um, but on, our, on the slide, um, how can we be the kind of parents we ought to be so that when our kids are like us, we'll like what they, who they are? Because
0: they will be like us, right? They will, we will heavily influence them. They will be like us by the time they're adults, um, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly, unfortunately. Um, so, that, that led us into just a, a mindset of helping our kids acquire the character traits of Jesus. That was, became kind of our parenting mission instead of trying to manage behavior. We spent three years with Campus Crusade working with Dr. Henry Cloud and his, uh, his books and his way of doing things really gave us some outstanding ideas. So. Uh, Raising Great Kids, Boundaries with Kids, and Boundaries with Teens are all books that offer excellent perspective on uh, how to think about uh, kids. And uh, he, he's he got six character traits, uh, the ability to connect with others, uh, truth-seeking, dealing with problems versus avoiding problems, how to grow, uh, and worshiping. Those were uh, some of the things he really focused on. He, and al- he also, when push
1: Come to shove, one time when he was having a conference, he well, said, You know, what's the most important thing? And he said, Honestly, you need, to, you need to teach your kids to lose well. Nothing's worse than a bad loser. Bad winners are also bad, but, you know, kids don't like to lose. And they need to learn to lose well. I mean, my grandkids, when we're playing cards, they either win fairly or I just woke them. So we've had to make some modifications. Okay, I'll give
0: you an extra three seconds on, what's that one? Anyway, yeah. Spot it. Spot. Now on page nine, um, we'll get to our vision and mission later, but we spent a lot of time uh, thinking about what is a disciple? What is a disciple? Because if we want to make disciples, if we want to make disciples, have our children become disciples of Jesus, we, we ought to have sort of an idea of what is that. And so uh, we, we took some scriptures and what you've got there is a little four box diagram on page nine of what is a disciple. A disciple of Jesus is surrendering, being transformed, loving God and loving others. That's our definition. We, we encourage you to develop your own because I think it's really important to know what we're shooting for. And what what are the things that we want our kids to be able to know and do, you know, unconsciously? That makes sense? So we just offer that as a starting point. um, And obviously it can be simplified for kids of different ages. But I would would think about, you know, a a discipleship uh, milestone every year or every every you know as you set goals for your kids uh so right now you know um and again you guys are miles ahead of us remember i didn't come to christ till i was 38 right uh, my kids were 11 7, 9 7 and 3. you guys have been walking with the king you've been on this task your kids are younger so you just have to understand you're miles ahead of where we were at the same point in time So think about what milestones could be for each kid each year. So I think uh, Michael and Sammy right now, Tilly's milestone is to make and serve three meals a week. That's what she's learning how to do. She just turned nine. And she just turned nine. They uh, taught their kids at age four to grind the coffee beans and make coffee. So they're they're able to learn tasks. And And they want
1: to learn. They want to contribute.
0: They want to serve. Absolutely. It's just
1: sometimes a hassle.
0: (laughs) All right. Okay.
1: Middle school. Middle school of the years I hated the most. Sleepovers. We let them do it. Bad idea. Nothing good ever happens after midnight. And um, that's when we started lawn mowing. They all went through mowing the lawn and all the hassles. And it it was a good learning experience. Thirteen is when we started allowances. Every month, you got $150 that included everything, from books to gifts for people to clothing. So whenever I gave them some clothing, it wasn't like, man, I like the color. oh, good. Thinking now I don't have to buy that. So that that was good. Um, they had. To That's tie. in
0: 1997 dollars, about so. Have you calculated inflation for us? Want to? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I have. I have not looked we'll, at we'll that. Look to you for that. Uh, it, I have not um, looked at I that, that but. Yeah, it's, I, I don't know. Yeah.
1: But um, it, it was just how Probably, yeah, 300, oh, probably. They needed to participate at home. And, um,
0: They oh, need to oh, be Michael,
1: a. Michael, Dennis had been doing it for a year. It was about my, almost Michael's turn to start. He says, hey, Dad, you know that thing that Michael, Dennis does? <coughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, I guess not, because it's.
0: They had responsibilities. They had to be a fully functioning member of the family team to qualify for their allowance. So they each had a, a series of jobs they had to do and vacuum a part of the house and clean up dishes. And they just had to be actively engaged in helping uh, to qualify for that.
1: Then also at 13, we had a rite of passage. And It was a big deal for them. They got to pick a restaurant they wanted to go to. All the boys went to the precinct. And they had five guys or girls that they got to pick. Mike Combs was the only man that went to all three And Mariel wanted him to come, I said, no, he's not coming to our lunch. (laughs) And each of the people people would talk about when they were 13 and give advice. And it wasn't like there was a lot of gifts. It was was more just to to hear the wisdom of the people that they respected.
0: Yeah. Uh, High school, uh, we tried to be much more consistent with Bible reading, communion at home, and Sabbath. Uh, we started uh, in various stages of that. Uh, we The boys had to be in a Bible study each week, and sometimes I would be involved in that. We had a number of times where two or three other guys and their dads were in a Bible study before school, one morning a week, and we had a couple of the dads come to Christ. And it was fun for our kids to see how the word of God was impacting other adults. Um, and we did we did a Uh, a study of Proverbs 1 to 9 for the boys, usually between age 15 and 16. We would do road trips and then uh, once they got their license they had to get a job outside the house. So the lawn mowing job at the house was for pre-license and then after they got their license. Um, And we started with our weekly Sabbath there. It started off with two hours on a Friday, then four, then six, and now obviously it's a big part of our week. So that was our routine in high school, and um, uh, I don't think there's anything else also, I want to also, highlight there.
1: Also, before they started dating, we had to read Boundaries in Dating. And we were away somewhere, and Michael called and says, "Okay, I read the book. I want to date somebody." I said, "What's what's the swine test? What I don't know what you're talking about. Read the book." <laughs> okay. But,
0: by the way, in Boundaries in Dating, the swine test is. Uh, uh, can, no. can the person you're dating accept your no? When you say no do they, do they whine like a swine or do they accept your no? That's the swine test. That was in chapter 8 of Boundaries and Dating and Michael had not read the book so he had to <laughs> go back and read the book. By the way, not all these stories are about Michael. Um,
1: <laughs> But
0: he did represent about 80% of our parenting challenges.
1: Yes. If I hadn't had Michael, I would have thought I was a good mom. <laughs> okay, college prep. We talked to them about their faith would be tested, they needed to understand the gospel, and um, the summer before college, we would, the two of us would take them out for a week and just hang and encourage them and, and have fun. And um, just also talk about the Christian worldview.
0: Uh, in college, uh, we, uh, we let them make a college choice. We set up a budget of what we could handle to put in, and whatever they earned in summer jobs uh, and scholarships, uh, they, they got to keep what they didn't use out of our budget. So if they got scholarships or work, then they could keep that money. So they got that money regardless, but they could, they could, keep, they could keep some if they uh, got scholarships. And we started talking about coming off the payroll. Touchy, uh, touchy. Very touchy subject. But we started talking about coming off the payroll. And um, the other thing I did in college with the boys, I tried to call them, <clears throat> have a phone call once a week, and sometimes read books together or whatever, but try to keep a, a weekly rhythm of contact, which helps them re- remember kind of who they are and where they come from and what they're all about. After college?
1: After college, we set up a budget for a car, the graduation, I mean, we put part of it in depending on what they bought. And they also knew that we would help them with the down payment uh, for the first house. And we just wanted them to understand the finances more. Um, Financial Peace University is a really good thing. As Dennis and I were driving him down to Florida for his first job, we had 17 DVDs that we listened to on the way down. And honestly, he would have done things very differently did not listen to that so that was good. Uh, we also give money towards the, the education of the grandkids and we, we, we financed the annual family vacation and we started the family summit. so
0: And our goal of all of this is just to help them orient to long-term king, kingdom thinking, uh, becoming investors instead of borrowers, just simple things. Um, you're going to do adult yeah, children. children?
1: Um, parenting never stops. In fact, the older they get, the smarter we are. And we always talk to them about big career decisions, married decisions, and grandkids. And um, there's just a real joy. And over the year, our best ideas came from older people. So I know it's really important to be connected with your peers, but if you've got somebody who's sort of 10, 15 years older, it's just really valuable. When we lived in Australia, the neighbors across the street they had three kids, they were our babysitters, and Lynn always Talk to me about you know what she thought she could see and uh, it, it was just really valuable to have somebody who was just older
0: and you know, wiser yeah and we that's that's our our hope for our next you know 10 15 years but also there's a lot of elders in our church there's a lot of older wiser people in our church and they all are willing and desiring to bless others so having somebody who's uh, 10 or 20 years ahead of you can be a super good blessing, you know, besides your own parents and uh, that. So, we also
1: pray for the kids every day, and we want, um, we want godly kids who love Christ. So, and we pray for godly spouses, and we've really had good success so far. Yeah. And uh, yeah, godly generations.
0: But, you know, you may think, wow, I got to get this parenting thing totally sorted out by the time they're 18. And, that's what I was thinking. I remember when I became a believer, I, I looked and I said to Mary Ann one day, wow, I've only got 250 weekends until Dennis goes to college. And I was thinking that was the end of it, but, which is true. I mean, I'm glad I was intentional with those 250 weekends, but now looking back on it, uh, to the first 18 years and the second 18 years, Dennis, our oldest, is 36. I would say I've had, uh, Mary Ann and I have had uh, five times the impact in the last 18 years as we did in, in the, you know in the first 18 so it's not all over when they're 18 but
1: you, have to be uh, intentional. you
0: have to get the foundation right of their character yeah. but there's so much time to bless them in the later years so we don't have to be panicky and even with this Hebraic mindset you know it's not like college is the end of you know their life with you and uh, that hopefully, you know, you'll continue to build relationships through that. And the thing is, with
1: with family vacations, people say, well, my kids wouldn't even want to be on a family vacation with us. Well, that's something you've got to just foster. You stay connected with them, you keep doing things with them. Like right now, um, I've seen Dan, who's going to be six, and Julian who's going to be four. Every month they've been alive. And between Robin and I, we're just always, okay, well, I can come down here, I can go up there. and, And we just make it work. But you set an expectation. And for for parents who don't do much with their kids and they don't have family meals, you know, it just sort of falls apart. And even ours could fall apart if we're not intentionally making sure that it stays.
0: Yeah. So um, let's move on to family and church as a part of your thinking about vision and mission because uh, some some people, uh, you know, have uh, the family, you know, the family is the mission or the family it's either family or mission and we're arguing for family on mission where you're doing family and mission as a part as an integral part the same thing with church church some people just see the their family is their church and that that's really dangerous i think that br- that brings a lot of narrow thinking narrow perspective and some people think of the church is for families, which is like a consumption mentality. And, and we like to think of the church being a church of families. So that each family is rubbing off on the others that we come into contact with and we learn from. And I would just say strong families get stronger in strong churches. Because when you think about our church, it's just a collection of families that have very similar stories to what we have in terms of how Jesus has changed us over the years, how Jesus has helped us grow. So uh, we, we wanna be part of a strong church because that brings balance and strength uh, and influence into our, into our kids. So the children's ministry is designed to help you influence your children uh, ditto with the youth. Ditto with small groups. We're trying to influence each other towards that Christian growth. So we we here's how it worked for us. We had like all these trips that happened because we were part of a strong church. In 2009, Marianne and I and Mariel got to go to Nigeria uh, and uh, to be part of a, a gospel disciple-making uh, work that is going on there. Uh, In 2010, Mariel uh, stayed for an extended season at a children's home in Mexico. Actually, she did this every year from about age 12 to about uh, age uh, graduating from high school. She became fluent in Spanish down there. So fluent that when she went to Mexico City, this children's home is in uh, Tamaulipas, a state of Mexico. And they said to her in Mexico City, are you from Tamaulipas? Because that's her accent. Her Spanish accent was that, that clear. So, you know, she actually raised the funds uh, for this bus uh, while she was down there by communicating with uh, her, us, and other people from her high school that she knew loved Jesus and wanted to make an investment. In 2012, we took a sabbatical to Israel, and everybody. In our family came over and we we saw it as kind of a training trip Um, and then each year we try to take a trip back to Canada this is back from 2013 we're just having uh, uh, a a float we're our family is afloat in a parade Mary Ann's family is afloat in a parade (laughs) so these trips integrated kind of our family and church and we started it's f- safe to say that Marymont Church has significantly influenced our vision as a family, like what, what we are trying to do and who we have become. So our vision is to be a family of irresistible influence. That's uh, Matthew 5.16, uh, let your light shine before others so that uh, they will see your good works and worship your Father in heaven. So it's the idea of being a light so that others would see the Father. Um, and then our mission is to make disciples, to be a family of disciple makers. And Isaiah 61 just talks about uh, oaks of righteousness, uh, planting for the splendor of the Lord. So we just see our family as this hopefully never ending planting of oaks of righteousness uh, for, the glory of, for the glory of God. And our measure that we use is uh, very simple. It's uh, we want to maximize our spiritual footprint. And uh, we look at L1233, L1233 is Luke 1233, which is to store up treasure in heaven. So every time you do something by faith, you store up treasure. If you lead someone to Christ, you store up treasure. If you give generously, you store up treasure. Anything you do by faith, you're building this account, which Paul refers to in the letter to the Philippians. He says, "I want this all this thing you're doing for me. I want it to be credited to your account." And so uh, we think about, "Okay, how's our account doing?" And um, so that that's really the thought process that we put into uh, our our vision. And um, you know, it's fairly standard. I mean, it's the Great Commission, right? It's uh, but you, you may find scripture that resonates with you, and we're gonna give you some uh, structure around that in a minute here. So our, the last thing we're just gonna talk about is our family summits. This is uh, where we just try to get our family together for something fun. So we rent the lake house usually, uh, we go away. Uh, when the, we had little babies, we bring babysitters. So the whole idea is lots of rest, lots of good food, lots of nature, um, and we fund the whole thing. So it's a blessing for our kids and grandkids. And um, so we, we started uh, with a staycation at Christmas in 2010. We tried to do this before in '05. There's a snow in there. In 05, yeah. In yeah, there's Laura. In 05, and kids in high school, <laughs> if it's really fun, we, we went to the beach at Destin and played golf. That was We got them going and we got their attention for about two hours. Uh, other than that, it just, it's been growing over time. So plenty, plenty of fun. Uh, this is one we did in 14 in Indiana. That's Tilly when she would have been one or one and a half there. And touch football games. This is at Thanksgiving we did that. Reading books. This is like so much fun, guys. This is so much fun. <laughs> So what do we do in the family summit? We try to have a little couple of goes of worship and prayer. Uh, Everybody gets a daily quiet time. Sometimes we have teaching. Um, uh, The teaching has included all kinds of different topics, but one one year I did a history of my family. uh, And in that history of my family, we found out there was tons of like premature death and unfaithfulness and marriages breaking up. And, and we—it was just—it was just really eye-opening to see what what was going on, and what the the Lord's pr- pr- promises are for generations, if you are setting it on the right foundation, uh, and so forth. So we, one year we did church history, uh, like a basic outline of church history, looking at the eight major heresies that keep coming back in the church and how they're alive and well today, and how we want to avoid that uh, line of thinking. So mostly, uh, mostly we, we pray and prophesy over each other and put it on our phones for encouragement. Um, we talk about vision and goals, and we just mostly have fun. It's really mostly having fun. So there's a couple of shots from that. And uh, levers that we use to build our family, things that we think about, Vision and identity, that's what those narratives that we looked at are so important. Like, what's our identity? What, what, what does it mean to be a beau What does it mean to be a moorhead? What does it mean to be a moor? Uh, rhythms and traditions, so the rhythm of Sabbath, the rhythm of our annual trip together. Uh, training, what kind of training are we doing? Uh, so we've done all kinds of training uh, around the power of habit Uh, how to grow, seasons of life, different topics, to give us some input. Uh, Who has wisdom and influence that can speak into our family? So sometimes we'll read a book together. Uh, Resources, finances, and stewardship. uh, Reminding ourselves of our mission and now the married sons have started doing their own missions and their own vision statements for their families uh and it's been really fun watching them do that it's a little bit different than ours uh, but really good and then reminding ourselves as we worship like what our destiny is like we are destined we are destined for eternity so we need to think about eternity we need to you know so major lessons and intentions
1: so everything flows from your walk with god without intimacy you're in great danger so I work at relentlessly eliminating curries, staying deep in scripture, being worshipful, and our Sabbaths are pretty key. The latest thing that we've done is just talking about being defendable.
0: Uh The second one is that vision matters. Like what you set as your target and your goal and what you write down uh, really drives what ends up happening. So without doing that, you may do quite well, but you won't do your best. And what we found is really challenging is just balancing goals. It's easy to get focused on financial goals. So we use the five capitals approach of you know, goals that are financial, physical, relational, intellectual, and spiritual. And, and so each family, uh, each couple does goals for each year and we share them with each other and we pray over them. So that's been helping us be intentional.
1: It's a challenge to blend what's best for each person versus what's best for the family team. So um, we talked already about optimizing the kids um, until 10 years ago, and then we are trying to find this balance. And let me tell you, sports, oh, my gosh. I try to have only one sport per kid. Sports go all year long. When you have soccer and hockey, you do it all year long. It's. I'm sure it's even worse now.
0: Yeah, that's a real challenge because, you know, uh, kids learned a lot of lessons in sports but none of them are doing those sports anymore except playing golf. You know, so it's, you really have to think through what yeah, what yeah, Michael still plays what they oh, Michael still plays a bit of hockey but not really. I mean, yeah, very infrequently. Anyway sports was our, our biggest headache. I think we we ran ourselves ragged with sports and uh, uh, I, we don't have any easy answers for that. Know, I wish we did Please. but we don't Please give us some we don't um, we tried to just focus on what they loved and we got them down to one sport that was one thing we did but Not one per season, like one. Yeah. yeah and frankly by the time you get to high school these days you the, the high school coaches don't let you do multiple sports I mean it's I mean yeah when they got to high school it's like full-time golf all year round so uh, Having uh, people live with us was instrumental in building a Gospel-centered perspective. It, it taught us that our, our, and our kids that our lives and our homes and our time are not, uh, are not, they're at God's disposal. They don't belong to us. And having missionaries in your home is amazing. I mean, Michael and Judy just left, but they have a grandson and uh, a missionary broke through with their grandson in terms of the Gospel. Um, so uh, it, it, it uh, it's really helped us. And, you know, one thing we've discovered is the table is the number one ministry tool. The table for a family, you know, getting young kids to pay attention is so much easier with food and good drink and be able to, you know, be around the table together. That, That has really, uh, that's really helped us uh, as a family.
1: I think also just your marriage. Your marriage has to be key. Your kids need to know that your marriage is the most important part, that they are secondary to that. And you need to really work hard at your marriage. I mean, date nights are important. Take vacations, just the two of you, it's important. Because a good marriage can devolve into something that's pretty unsavory if you're not really working at it. And you want the kids to see you being affectionate. I mean, they go, eh, but they love it.
0: Yep. And lastly, uh, there's going to be pain and betrayal in the midst of all the joy. So we've lost lifelong friends because of the gospel. Uh, We have uh, seen strong ministers and leaders uh, leave the faith and have their families fall apart. Uh, We've seen uh, good friends uh, have their families fall apart. Uh, we've even seen people we really looked up to and uh, uh, couldn't imagine uh, getting divorced and we've also seen uh, yeah, uh, a minister that we highly respected uh, moved into a gay lifestyle about five years ago. So it's, uh, it's shocking but don't be, don't be shocked. If you look at Paul's letters, he's got eight people in his letters that have wandered from the faith or shipwrecked their faith or fallen in love with the world or gone off on the tangent of really bad teaching. So uh, recognize and those passages that we have there for Timothy, 1 Timothy 4 and Titus 3 are just good to reflect on. So what we're going to do now is we're just going to open it up for Q&A. And um, then uh, we're going to give you some time to walk through the family vision worksheet that we have here on uh, page eight. Um, And um, give you some time now, uh, and then encourage you to schedule time soon to take the next whack at it. So um, yeah, so with that, let me just pray and then we'll open it up for Q and A. Uh, Lord, um, thank you for the way that you uh, saved Marianne and saved me and transformed our family. I hope, Lord, that our testimony is an encouragement. And at the same time, Lord, we recognize that you're doing a new thing always. And that each family represented here today uh, is walking with you, uh, is seeking you. So we just bless them. Um, to hear from you. um, And Lord, that you would encourage them and strengthen them with all power according to your glorious might as they uh, spend some time now uh, working on their vision. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.